I'm Logan Bishop from Belmont University. And I'm Jenna Spinelli from Penn State. You're listening to Higher Ed Social, part of the Connect EDU network. Vaughn and Olivia, welcome to Higher Ed Social. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So um, just to get things started, um, would you two mind introducing yourselves and telling us a little bit about Schoolcraft College? Sure. I'll let Olivia go first. Okay. Well, my name is Olivia Perry. Uh, I work at Schoolcraft College. I'm the marketing events coordinator. I've been there for a little over two years now, but uh, Schoolcraft College is a two-year community college in Livonia, Michigan that serves primarily the Metro Detroit area, but especially with our increased distance learning due to COVID, uh, we've branched out through most of Michigan. So we have people coming from all over to do our distance learning. So that's been something that's been great about COVID. Um, Something that I love about Schoolcraft is that our campus is very four-year or university-like. We have a beautiful uh, you know, Vaughn calls it the diag area where, you know, people can hang out or, you know, do homework and there's beautiful flowers at our facilities crew. You know, it kind of gets you out of that community college vibe where you think you just park and go to class. So, um, yeah, so it's beautiful being on campus, but for a two year, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful campus. And we're constantly building and improving and getting more for our community and students. So that's a great thing about it. And I'm Vaughn Nguyen. I am the Chief Marketing and Communications Officer. Um, I've been at the institution a little over two and a half years. Um, previously, I came from healthcare, and before that, I ran a non, I led a nonprofit. So I've been all over the board, and marketing seems to follow me in every job that I've had, and more like it's a career now. And so, uh, how how big is is your your marketing team? Is it just just the two of two of you, or do you have others on the team? Well, it's pretty lean. Um, we have Olivia, who is our digital guru when it comes to all things social and digital ads. Um, we have a senior communications writer. We have um, a marketing um, associate. We have a web developer for the whole entire college. And um, a strong arm of our team, we call Marcom, um, is what we call like your in-house Kinko's or Office Depot. I'm sure most of us listening out there know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, And that consists of about four to five folks, um, including graphic designers, um, operational, logistical folks. So it's about a team of uh, 10 to 15, including some freelancers as well when we need a little bit extra help. Yeah, our team's not a whole lot bigger than yours. You guys have a few more students, just a few, if especially if you count your online students, I, I would imagine. Yeah, on any given semester prior to COVID, it, it could double that number that you just stated. Um, but with COVID, obviously, we've seen numbers a little bit lower. Um, people weren't quite sure where the future was, and they weren't ready to invest in something, um, a large purchase such as education. So people put pump the brakes a bit, and honestly, a lot of students didn't thrive on a virtual format. So why were they going to invest time and energy, right? So hopefully in the near future, we're able to um, be able to offer face-to-face again at a more larger capacity. Everyone that, you know, had to put their education on hold to help 
a child who was, you know, doing school from home, a brother, a sister, you know, something like that, or putting there if they were a healthcare worker who was working on, you know, becoming an RN and they were taking classes on the side, they put that on hold because they were so dedicated to the hospitals during this time. So that was something pretty selfless that we saw, you know, the numbers dropped there, but, you know, you can't be mad when they're trying to help everyone else around them. So we're hoping that as things get better, those numbers will go back up for the college. Well, you guys, you know, people don't talk about community colleges as much as, you know, the bigger four-year schools and stuff like that. But you guys are really important um, for so many people. Um, And you offer, uh, you know, you offer a lot of programs that, you know, four-year degrees don't. And and, and that's not a bad thing. That is really awesome. Um, But one of the questions I do have, and it's related to this, is, you know, how, I mean, how have you guys dealt with COVID? I mean, we've talked to um, a lot of folks about COVID, obviously, over the last year, but um, we haven't had a chance to talk to, um, you know, uh, community colleges and and other two-year institutions like that. How has it affected you? Well, I'd like to start off by saying that we we recognize the inequities and the disparities in terms of community colleges as before COVID. And when we had to instantaneously switch over to virtual, um, that pretty much highlighted and shed more light onto a problem that we, we and I say that in a generic term of, we kind of looked the other way because it wasn't something that was in front of our face prior to COVID. You realize that the students who come through our doors relied heavily on our computer labs and the technology that we provided to them at an extended hours in the labs. Um, so when things shut down, you realize, okay, well, they're without internet access and without a hardware, computer, laptop, so on and so forth. So how do you expect students in the middle of a semester, almost finishing, I believe it was winter, whatever the fiscal year was, right? How do they, we get them across the finish line? So we had to not only get our academics um, and our faculty to train them so that it's a higher caliber of teaching. Um, it's not just, oh, we switched to Zoom, now all is good, right? Totally not the case. So additionally, our IT team, our administration, our staff, had to rally together to find out, okay, how can we add um, access points to Wi-Fi um, in the parking lots? Because the school, the actual institution, the buildings were closed. So you couldn't physically go in and use it because of health protocols, right? So after that, we realized, well, internet's there because that's what we were hearing at the time in waves. Well, I don't have internet access. I can't go online. Then we realized they didn't have the laptops. So then um, we quickly found wonderful community partners such as Bosch Foundation to give us a grant and we went and purchased laptops, but then we ran into another um, problem. They were on back order for the most part because everybody in the world were rushing to order in mass quantities laptops. So you run into one problem after another, but I think what really we learned from it is we were resilient and we weren't gonna stop fighting for our students to make sure each and every one of them got through that finish line and if it was a little delayed, we, we would work with them to make sure that eventually in due time, they will get there. So that's what we learned. Yeah. And, you know, how um, how many of or what's your breakdown in terms of you know, how many students are completing, you know, getting getting a two year degree from your institution versus, you know, going on to complete 
a four-year degree and do you kind of do you take that into account when you know how your, your programs are structured and things like that I would say that we at one point were it was the number one transfer school for a local four-year college here so a lot of our students do take their gen eds um, or get their two-year degrees and transfer most of it in their 60 credits um, but a lot of our students are first first generation college students so you know it's it's definitely, it fluctuates from semester to semester, for sure. Um, but Olivia, did you have anything to add to that? So I definitely agree um, with them being the FIDIAC. So, you know, first time in any college. Um, but just back to the resilience of, you know, our professors being able to give those students what they need and meet them where they're at um, during COVID. So, you know, for example, uh, we had a professor who did a 3D virtual classroom, you know, that would help improve the students' learning, um, which it was Professor Jesse Mason. So it was such an innovative thing. So we can try and take that distance learning to the next level. You know, it, like Vaughn said, you're not just sitting on Zoom and, you know, listening to someone lecture, you actually making it interactive, um, you know, trying to take that back act like you're in a classroom, but be at home and actually make it feel fun. So these students aren't dreading these classes that they're taking and, you know, still getting that in-person feel. So that's been something that's been really helpful as well. Yeah. What what kind of class was it and, and, and how did he pull off the, the 3D environment? So it was a physics class. So it was um, a 3D virtual classroom in their class and it used where it, excuse me, uh, it's called Sago, Saganworks? I don't Sagan know. Saganworks. Yeah. So it's a 3D virtual space that stores information. And the S A G A N acronym sounds for Spatially Accessible, spatial, spatial Access, Accessible Gallery of Archived Knowledge. Um, and so it's also from an American astronomer, uh, Carl Sagan. So that was something that he did, and it was able to take it, and it makes it look like you're kind of in like an art museum type of, you know, feel. So you're able to do that and kind of just measure the spaces there for, you know, everything they need for their physics class. So that was super cool for them. And I believe it's one of the first in the nation, if not country, <laughs> that launched this type of curriculum within Sagan Works. And Sagan Works is an Ann Arbor-based startup company. And it just went pew, you know, once uh, COVID hit and it just, no pun intended, it just launched off like a rocket. So, so yeah, it, Jesse Mason is amazing. And he's like the modern day version for all you uh, 90s and 80s kids out there. Um, Beekman's World or Bill Nye the Science Guy. He's like this modern day. So he has his own YouTube channel with millions of followers that makes physics fun. Now, God knows that I am not a science and math person since a baby. And I, I struggled hardcore in, in elementary school with physics. But after viewing his videos, I mean, he makes learning fun and applicable and palatable for somebody who's not so interested in the hard sciences. So kudos to him, man. And we were so stoked to to really get to know him and learn about his methodology and teaching. In the world to use this software. So that was something that was really awesome. Uh, yeah, just converted their end of the year physics projects. And that's consistently, you know, large constructing of physical devices into the relevant physics of spaces. So they kind of took that to the next level. So that's really cool since they couldn't do anything like that in person. Cool. So Olivia, question for you. Um, you're the digital guru, I, much like me. 
Um, I'm the digital guru where I'm at. Um, how has how has COVID affected you? Now, I, I'm sure it's affected communications, and I would imagine you guys do social media and all that kind of fun stuff too. Like, how has it affected um, your work and and the things that you do um, from day to day? So, I think with COVID, um, the way that it's affected my work is, you know, digital has become not more important than anything traditional that we've done. That you know, physical hand on a book, feeling hand on a magazine publication is still there. But for a long time, when everything was closed, you know, you wanted to make sure you could try and reach your audience digitally, because that was the only way. Um, Something that our Marcom team did prior to COVID to try and help get um, either our registration guides, our continuing and education registration guides out there, any type of collateral that we had, is we would go around to libraries, senior citizen homes, um, rec centers, and drop off our collateral there, and we couldn't do that. So I think it definitely showed people who may not have known the significance of digital that it's the way the world is heading. Um Personally, with me, the way it worked is I felt, you know, I with so much being digital during COVID, I actually took a step back of my own social media, you know, because you're doing so much online as the college itself. By the time at the end of the day, you just kind of log off your device. You don't really have that phone time later. But I think that was for the best. Um, so I'll interact all day at Schoolcraft College, but I'll kind we were, of go we were talking about this Perry for a little bit. We were talking about this a little earlier before before the we started recording on the show, but you know we've all found those things to get away from social because it, it's it has become hard to do our own social. Um, heck, it was hard to do a podcast um, as uh, the uh, no episodes from December to March shows. Um, it was. It was hard for me um, just because, yeah, I mean, you interact as a university, you know, um, and, and for me, I have myself and, and um, uh, another person on our team that, that does it. But yeah, it, it's become really, it was really hard. You know, it was, it was tough. And especially with all the upheaval that's happened over the last, you know, year, uh, you know, we, we definitely had our things at Belmont that we, uh, it was a, it was a rough year and that's why I started playing video games, like not started, but got back into, um, and running. That's the other thing that I've tried to get back into doing. Um, because being online all day is just hard, especially when you're the, like the person who's supposed to do that all the time. It's just like extra, um, Mm -hmm. on you, you know? Um, especially when, you know, things like events and stuff like move online and you're like the only one who's ever live streamed. So everyone's asking you, oh my gosh, how do I live stream? Um, so. Yeah. And and even, even promoting events is a completely different thing in the virtual world as opposed to promoting. You can't just put up flyers and expect people to come. Or put a QR code in Instagram. I was just going to say that, Vaughn. I put a QR code flyer online. There's a book. <laughs> There's a book by Scott Stratton and it's called QR Codes Kill Kittens. <laughs> and I have it, it. There's a bookshelf back here and there's another one over here. It's in on one of these. We'll have to get that book, Olivia. Yeah. 
QR code. You can't. We'll have a picture of it in the in the thing, but this is it. <laughs> QR codes kill kittens, and and this does actually go to something. But it's all the reasons why, like all the bad ways people have used QR codes. Great book. No kittens died in the making of it. I don't think, <laughs> but. <It's good> <laughs> Um, it, it's it, it's interesting going online. Well, see, that's the other thing. That's the other thing I've had to learn, and I don't know if you guys have had to, but you know, when you go asynchronous with with events and you you live stream events, and there's like forty people show up, and you're just like, oh, that sucks. But then you know, three or four days later, it's like in the hundreds. Um, you just have to get over that initial like. That's the thing I had to get over was just like, okay, people know it's going to be on YouTube after. They're just, they're just not going to watch it when it's live. Like that's, that's not the way the world works anymore. Um, and sometimes those that do are usually within your own system, your own institution, right? Yep, pretty much. Yeah, um, it's like holding your breath and you're watching the little numbers go up and up, and you're like, oh, where is everyone? And then you check back. Don't a plateau! Days later don't plateau! Don't plateau! And it's yeah. at like yeah. 500 views, and you're like, where were you all yesterday? But. <laughs> nonetheless appreciate them viewing anyways no matter what time but to, be, but to be honest i mean really good marketers like ourselves will figure out what's the strategy post event that's where it all counts how do you market it how do you get word of mouth marketing it's not just slapping it on facebook or the, your social sites it's how do you leverage your faculty how do you leverage your staff have you built that rapport within your institution to get that wom out instead of just saying oh here it's on our homepage or on facebook nobody reads that come on now no the only the only live streams that people turn out for i found are like ribbon cuttings and graduation. Like they want to see the ribbon cut in real time and they want to see, uh, uh, they want to see like their kid graduate as they walk. Mm-hmm. Well, they didn't walk across the stage, but they at least watched their name scroll across the screen this yeah. year. And we actually hosted one. We, we actually had graduation ceremonies in person in very small graduations by program. Um, in December, um, we were able to do that cause it's, you know, small and it worked out. Um, but are you in charge of that? Is your team in charge of the logistics of, of commencement? Not really. Cause we are <laughs> the registrar's office and the provost's office handles graduation, but they bring, but, but I typically, my team along with, um, some of our faculty, uh, produce the live stream that normally happens. Um, so we kind of split it up um, because we had multiple ceremonies happening at once um, in like multiple spaces across campus. Yeah. So that's how we made it work. Um, so yeah, three at a time. That's, that's how you make it work um, with one camera each. Um, and, and it worked out. It worked out. Um no one was able to walk across the stage. It's just a person like standing, you know, saying names, but the people were socially distanced in the space and it sure worked out really well. It really did. And, you know, you know, students could have like a parent or two with there with them. Um, There was definitely limits, but at least the families were able to see it online and see it live. So Mm -hmm. that, that made folks feel special and, and that was good. Um, but yeah, that's that's cool. 
we're taking our first, I'm at Penn State, we're taking our first foray into uh, in-person commencement this spring. The, the university just announced uh, a couple days ago. So it's going to be in Beaver Stadium, um, again, separated by Academic College and everybody in pods and outside, rain or shine, which can be kind of dicey in early May in central Pennsylvania. So we'll <laughs> see how that goes. Um but yeah, thankfully, I am not involved in anything planning, logistics, <laughs> uh, any of that. But more power to the people who are. Well, I will have to say, I, I probably didn't do Olivia any justice when um, she started out as a, I guess, what we call on call, which is like part time. And um, we were trying to build a case for full time. And of course, when you can double up duties and a job title, People usually get excited about that and it might be an easier sell. And I say that in air quotes to get it approved. So what's what's your actual title again, Olivia? Marketing. and So guess who got stuck with commencement when that position got completely formalized? So she probably underneath hates me, but she's putting on a smile. (laughs) I I don't. I'm, I'm very organized and strategic with my logistics. So planning events and executing them comes easily to me, um, probably in a non-COVID year, you know, when there are so many what-ifs and changes and, you know, changes on a dime and, you know, deadlines to hit. Is there a vendor you have to pay by a certain time? Are we not going to have that vendor, you know? So in a status quo year, it would, you know, cut and go. But COVID's definitely made us very agile in that where, you know, pick up, leave off, figure out where we need to go next and just keep moving. Well, let me say one thing about you. I know a little bit about what goes into graduations and commencement ceremonies and all that kind of fun stuff. And that's amazing. So pat yourself on the back because you've dealt with social. Pat yourself on the other back because commencement is just its own thing. But I couldn't do it alone. We have many other departments that help. We have an amazing media department that I don't have to do the live stream like you do. Um, I, don't, I don't think I could handle that. Um, amazing media department that handles that. Our facilities helps put everything together. Um, we do have a records office that helps with volunteers and actually contacting the students. So thankfully, I'm the logistics and I don't have to deal with anything on that end. But um, teamwork well, really does make the dream work. There's two parts of a student's life, right? That are where they're the most excited orientation and graduation. And those are, and everything in between is kind of, you know, where the cynicism happens, but those are the two times that students like that's their shining moment, you know? And, you know, that's why I enjoy graduation ceremonies so much because that's like the moment that's like, cause I get to, I get to, I get to work with them in orientation and welcome week and um, you know, I get to film and do all that kind of fun stuff, but then I get to do graduation four years later for them. And it's just amazing. It's the best feeling. You you have helped them accomplish the thing that they've spent years to do, and and that's that's great. That's the best feeling. It's the two best days of the year, um, I think. <laughs> I'm probably. And you're absolutely right, myself. Logan. I mean, for us, it's if you have made a connection with a student that you randomly see on campus, built some rapport. You know, they might be the person that, you know, they call you in case for anything. I mean, we have plenty of resources, but sometimes you have those special connections. And then when you finally see them at graduation or commencement, and they might be that first gen college student who 
encountered multiple challenges in their life. And that two year that they were supposed to be here ended up being two and a half or three, but yet they got there. That's just a warm and fuzzy feeling that people can't take away from you until you've experienced that. You don't really have that deep appreciation for higher ed, in my opinion. Well, that's the thing that I love about higher ed. We change lives. I mean, that's what we do. We take their talents and we take the things that they are, that they, that they want to do and we turn it into, you know, a career or a life or a job. Um, and they'll never be the same. That's true. And that's, that's why I do it. Um, (laughs) and, and it's good. I mean, I mean, it's not like we're here because we're like paid super well. Um, I mean, not to say, you know, but it's true to some extent. Um, in the corporate world, we typically get paid more. But to know that the work that I'm doing is actually worthwhile and actually oh, yeah. changing people's lives, um, that's why I've been in it for 13 years. So, yeah, I can see myself staying here for a minute. <laughs> Yeah, I I truly never saw myself going into higher education. It was never even crossed my mind. Um, from high school, I knew I wanted to do marketing. I went to Central Michigan. I immediately started my marketing classes as soon as they allowed me to. And so I worked in the restaurant industry for ten years. I started when I was fifteen as a hostess, and um, you know, kind of stopped right as COVID started because of everything was shutting down. But I was doing the bartending there, same restaurant, ten years. And so I really thought that. I'm going to be a marketer for the restaurant industry. That's no doubt in my head that's where I was going to go. Or being in Detroit, I was going to try and go to one of the big threes. And my, you know, that's kind of where I saw my path. And then, um, you know, my dad introduced me to Vaughn, who had just started, you know, probably six months before I started at Schoolcraft. And I got that connection with her, began my job at Schoolcraft. And I feel so fulfilled being in higher education and especially a community college because it is that first stepping stone for anybody at any walk of life, you know, first time in any college fidiacs, transfers, you know, the non-traditional learners that are still traditional at no matter what point you start, you're not non-traditional, you know, you're getting your education. So just seeing it from there out is, it's just so rewarding in a way, just like you mentioned, you know, first day, last day, I just, just like Vaughn said, I, I can't see myself going anywhere for a while because it really gives your your, your job purpose, why you go to your job, why you help the students, their purpose, rather than just cutting and pasting something to try and get a sale. So I was just going to ask, um, Olivia, does, does you, do you kind of keep some of those thoughts at the, the back of your mind if you're dealing with negative comments on social or when those numbers aren't ticking up in the events quite the way you might want them to or, you know, things like that? I do think it would probably be easier to sell a burger and fries than a seat in a classroom sometimes, but nonetheless, still rewarding when it does happen. But I used to sell computers. That's what I did before this. And before that, I was a biology major with a minor in geology. So um, I definitely know the feeling of not necessarily doing exactly what you expected you were going to do. But isn't that 90% of the students who come out of college still to this day is they graduate with a degree and then they kind of wind up doing something else that they learn to love? Yeah, it is. because And there's nothing wrong with that. I I was talking to a class the other day and I told them this, you know, the the question, what are you going to be when you grow up? That shouldn't be a question, though. It's not. It's... 
you never know what you're going to end up doing. I could end up doing something completely different than what I'm doing right now. What college helped me do was learn how to think critically and learn how to, you know, assimilate information and to, to, to do all those kinds of things that I would have never learned before that. So my degree is definitely a hundred percent worth it. And yeah, I still use my biology degree um, weirdly for party tricks and talking to my wife about science. Um, but also the statistics, the statistics and the understanding, seeing patterns in data, uh, stuff like that. I see it in my web and digital media like job all the time. And, and it's very helpful. It really is. I use it every day, just not the way I thought it would. <laughs> so I, I have to say and touch on what you said about the questions that normally get asked in a normal community or household. What are you going to be when you grow up at the age of five or 10 or 12? And I think really we all need to think and start spreading the news in our own communities and own backyards and saying, Instead of saying that, asking that question, we should be asking, what do you like to do? Because that really will get them to think critically, like you said, Logan, at a younger age. I like to paint. I like to draw. I like to build things. I like to take things apart and put them together. Rather than trying to give them a box to be in, it needs to be a, what do you love exploring and what are you passionate about? And it can change and it's okay. Because what I think what happens is the conversations in the household, even to this day, is more so of Susie Q is going to Penn State or, you know, Baylor University, my alma mater. And we don't talk about what if their student or their child might not be quite ready for that four year and, and they don't know other options like a community college. And I feel that that community college stigma still exists in the nation. It's gotten better. But if you look up or Google an Ohio college, community college, there's a professor or a person who's trying to have that hashtag that I don't think it really took off after a year or two. But we really need to talk about the college, the community college stigma and that it's not. Um, and if you look across the country, a lot of community colleges are dropping the word community in their name. Um, well, we've always had Schoolcraft College since 1964, 63. So we were kind of ahead of the curve. But that aside, I think people are starting to catch on because that one word kind of ruins it for some people. And that shouldn't be the case. Well, one of the well, things that I kind of love about my state is I live in Tennessee, which never expected this out of Tennessee, um, not to be completely political, but it's not really the state that you'd think would offer two years of free college to every high school graduate. Like, not what you'd expect. But we have a program called the Tennessee Promise. Um, and any high school student or homeschool student that graduates um, with an equivalent degree um, can apply uh, for the scholarship and essentially go to a two-year institution for the first two years of their life. It, it, it's kind of it's kind of a modification of our lottery hope scholarship. Um, but it puts all the money like more up front. Um, you still can continue to get some, some money when you go to uh, finish your degree at a four year after that, but it, it gets you started. It gets you that, that, that first associate's degree or, you know, a trade school or, or anything like that. So it's, it's really awesome. And, you know, like I said, did not expect my state to be the one that does that, but we're one of the first states that did it. And, and it's pretty awesome. And we have a really robust um, 
you know, a two year like community college program in Tennessee. There's a lot of a lot of schools, um, uh, not one in every community, but at least the county over. Uh, you can you can go over and, and you can go to a to a school. So it's it's really awesome. And I, I hope more states do it because it's it's really important. Um, and it gives people options um, to to further their education, whether it be college or a trade school or something like that. Yeah, I think Michigan's kind of tiptoeing in somewhat of that type of direction, which I think is great for anyone who wants to utilize it. You know, we have the Futures for Frontliners, uh, you know, where they can apply and see if they're eligible to get, you know, the associate's degree the first two years of school for free at a community college. And then that kind of branched into the Reconnect, Michigan Reconnect Award, where that's for students 25 and up who have either stopped their education at any point, you know, and want to restart or have never got around to it. And so I think that's something good that came out of COVID is people are either realizing I want to get some type of education or I want to change my career or I just even want to start and, you know, do start doing something I love. So, you know, giving them those opportunities there. So we're not as full fledged as Tennessee right now, but definitely giving people the opportunities to be able to get get that foot off the ground then they can run. So uh, what, uh, as we kind of hopefully start to emerge from the, the pandemic here, what are you guys looking forward to? Big, big projects coming up for your team or even just personally, what are, what are you looking forward to for, for the rest of the year? Well, I, I, I'd have to say since Logan started his commencement, his institution started last December, um, we're just following your footsteps, my friend, and we're trying to do an in-person commencement in May. Um, it will be... Students only, no guests inside a large, large, uh, lack of better term, like a elite sports center. Um, so we're, we're doing that. And we definitely did the whole survey thing, making sure that we cater to those who want to be here in person with safe protocols and those who can't or do not want to. How are we going to live stream that and have everybody all hunky dory? Um, but I will have to say that we recently launched a um, program that we trademarked called Reality Ready. So a few moments ago, we all discussed about um, people getting jobs and, and getting them to their next step in their career. But once you get there, we do see in stats, or at least here in Michigan, where we have employers saying it's not the lack of number of applicants coming in because they're, they're getting applicants through um, the process, but it's and I wouldn't say the word quality, but the, the, the talent that comes through who gets closer to each step of the interviewing process or even gets hired sometimes displays characteristics and personalities that don't quite match up to the paper version. They potentially bring in their emotional baggage to work. They no call, no show. And I thought that maybe, oh, it's just a one-off. But the more I talk to HR recruiters in the, in the area, I realized that this is not a, a outlier. It's it's happening and it's happening at a very alarming rate. So Reality Ready is basically an initiative to really equip Schoolcraft students to really um, have that emotional and cognitive behavioral skills so that they can succeed in the real world. And I, I'd like to say that we might have lost that capability uh, after the millennials, I don't know, maybe part of the millennials. I mean, I don't want to put people in a box, right? But you keep hearing with each younger generation that comes in, you hear the, the, the not so young generation HR recruiters find this as a common theme. 
So we launched our cohort, our first cohort this past Tuesday with eight students in the medical assisting industry. And the whole idea is, okay, how quick can you get a job after graduation? And how quickly can you get promoted once you get a job, right? So we're trying to do like a case study. And then hopefully we can replicate that with another class of, you know, public safety or culinary or brewing and distilling folks. So that's one thing that the school is pretty proud of. And it's kind of my baby that I've had even coming prior to coming into school craft. I'm always like, nobody really teaches you street smarts anymore, because I think that's what I had from my mother. (laughs) But I was not book smart, but I was street smart. Um, So I wanted to fuse the two. We have great rigor at Schoolcraft. We had great curriculum, but we think we can couple that even further by giving them one step beyond that graduation and that um, diploma. That's great. Good luck as it continues to roll out. Hope everything goes well. Yeah. Well, thanks you guys for joining us this week. Well, thanks for having us. This is quite fun. You gave us some ideas on how to, maybe do a future Schoolcraft podcast down the road because we've had a few people come approach us going, we need to do a podcast. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're not even on TikTok yet. Let's not even start with podcasting. Let's slow our roll. We got to be thoughtful about this. Podcasts are fun. They, they are. are. They, they are, are a lot of work good. though. We promise we won't compete. We won't hold. We, <laughs> we won't try to. We'll have two followers, maybe. <laughs> we'll be happy with that. Me and Olivia listening and talking. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks again. And listeners, head down to higher and get links to the stuff we talked about today and subscribe to the show anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you like the show, please consider giving us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps people find us and it lets us know what you think of the show. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at HES Podcast. Send us a tweet. We love talking to you. And don't forget to let us know if you want to be on the show. Higher Ed Social was created by Jackie Vetrano and Logan Bishop and is produced by the amazing Emma Haas. We're part of the Connect EDU network, the first podcast network for higher education. Visit the website connectedu.network and subscribe to some awesome shows no matter where you work on campus. Thanks, and we'll see you in a couple weeks. <laughs>